Don't put your hand up for this. When the PTO comes knocking, please politely decline because no one wants to see your fat ass running around a course or your thin ass running around a course or your tanned ass running around a course. I'm not interested. I don't want to get up and watch any sort of celebrity shenanigans because celebrity to me has zero, zero impact on what I do. I don't care, okay? I think it's a complete and utter gimmick and it should be completely ruled out. Let's just watch good athletes doing good things on a, a course coverage. You're listening to The Life of Try. It's triathlon for your ears. There's a big red line of flashing light, which means we are go, Kevin McKinnon the man who spends more time on airplanes than most people. Welcome back, brother. Yeah, it's been uh, crazy uh, going from next to nothing for a year and a half to uh, nutty busy um, for four weekends of events, including, I guess, two, well, a grand final, world championship final, and then uh, a world championship, and then Roth and Collins Cup and the championship. So it has been a busy, uh, busy stretch for sure. What's um what's Amsterdam? That's where you were, right? It's a place called Almera, which is yeah. uh, just outside of Amsterdam. It's like a twenty-minute train ride yeah. um, to Amsterdam, and Almera is a really cool place because in 1972 it was um, underwater, so um, it's all reclaimed land. So um, the uh, this year's, let me see if I can get this name straight, World Triathlon Long Distance Triathlon World Championship. There we go. <laughs> um, that uh, was taking place, was all part of Challenge Almera Amsterdam. Um, Challenge Almera Amsterdam, the oldest race in Europe, started in 1983. And since uh, Super Frog doesn't uh, seem to exist or hasn't been a continuing existing event uh almera's the second oldest try in the world so kind of neat and um you just add to the fact that it's um in this very unique place uh you know almera is just it's all new right like newest building 73 or something or the oldest building sorry um and um and so it's a very uh yeah very interesting and unique spot huh and obviously bouncing around we'll get to the race itself in a little bit um but i can't imagine it being a hilly setup out there amsterdam's not known for its mountainous regions uh if you can say the words dead flat like western australia dead flat um uh it's like so there are a few little rises over bridges um and then I, I guess at some point when you go up, there's a little rise up to when you're riding along the dike. Um, so no, this thing is dead flat. What tradition, but traditionally it has not been considered a fast course uh, because it gets nutty windy. Uh, it gets very windy. Um, and you have this very long stretch, 20 kilometers where you're riding along the dike. Um, and traditionally that is into the wind. So you're just putting your head down and it's dead flat, it's dead straight. And all you're doing is suffering for 20 K into the wind. Well, this year 
um, Yvonne Van Vlerken, who had held the women's course record up until Sunday, um, she called it on Wednesday, like I saw her on Wednesday, and she just said, my record is getting annihilated this weekend. The wind is going to be behind them on that long, long stretch, and they are going to fly through this bike course. And she was right. It was uh, crazy how fast they went. Hmm. And has it always been the Ironman distance? I kind of feel like it's not always been that distance. Um, I, you know, I, I think it has been, um, but I, you know, it's, it's one of those things I don't want to commit to that yeah, in case I kind of... I'm misremembering, um, like, you know, how New Zealand, when it first started Ironman New Zealand, when it was first held in Auckland, mm. I, I feel like it was a shorter bike and not quite the same distance, but, um, Almera, I, I'm, has been, an, it's been certainly a full distance um, for uh, uh, a long time anyway. Yeah. Well, Christian, let's talk about it while we, you know, sitting in, in, in Amsterdam. Christian, uh, how are we pronouncing this? Hogan Hog? Is that what we're saying? Hog? Uh, Hogan Hog. Yep. Hogan Hog uh, did a lazy 737. <laughs> if you can't break eight hours these days in an iron distance race or that in that distance, you're, as a pro, just give it up. Give it up. You're never winning a race. You know the you know the days of you know going eight ten eight twenty was awesome. Now eight twenty gets you plane ticket home embarrassed. Yeah, well, there are, there are age group athletes going eight twenty. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's you are very bang on. Now conditions were as I, as I mentioned absolutely perfect. Um, <clears throat> the run course. Um might have been four to 600 meters short, um, which, but that puts it in the, uh, you know, that everyone I've ever spoken to uh, puts uh, challenge growth in that same ballpark. Yeah. So the, the, the course was pretty darn accurate. Um, so these were unbelievable times. Like the old course record, Matt Troutman um, had, had set that in, in two years ago um, and went 750. And we were all blown away at that because uh, that was just an incredible day. Um, and uh, yeah, 737 was <laughs> just um, mind boggling. But um, yeah. and the other thing was, yeah, so uh, I, you know, I'd never thought that I'd see 243 running pace looking so easy. Like, the, you know, um, Christian Hogenhaug and um, uh, Jesper Svensson ran the first 35 K together. Um, and like, we were joking that they were, you know, having conversations about whether or not ABBA should be coming back and who should win <laughs> the next Eurovision song contest. And like, they looked so relaxed. It was frightening um, yeah. how good they looked. So yeah, it's, it's getting scary how fast people can go. Yeah. And, and Colucci runs a two thirty nine on that course. Um, Obviously, super uber quick day. I mean, the top ten guys. I mean, eight oh three gets you tenth. You loser. You know, like, <laughs> five years ago, eight oh three gets you wins, and people are going, "Oh, he's getting close to the magic eight hour." It's just I, I can't. I don't understand how there's been such a. I mean, in my little mind, there has been such a quantum shift in in um, in time. 
you know, whether athletes are becoming more professional, whether the gear is getting better, whether the courses are more friendly, but, you know, around the world now, it just seems the norm. It's been this huge, big shift in, in times dropping. And it's on both sides of the equation, both men and women. It just seems wild that we're getting such low times, you know, um, the first five dudes were in in 7.54 or less. That's just insane. And, yeah, I mean, the course can be set for it. you still got to do it. I mean, you still got to run the 249 or 243s and 239s. That's 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 a hard tap, man. That's a hard run to get done properly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Colucci, and, you know, I'm so glad you mentioned him, uh, Ronaldo. It, it feels like Ronaldo has been racing – forever and a day and it's just it's just that he started so young like i i couldn't believe he's only 35 um yeah. you know and and uh i saw you know a tweet from sutto kind of talking about you know how he'd been, been at the sutto training camp um uh working on his long distance stuff because he's finally done his olympic career uh, you know and, but yeah. I, I feel like he did his first full distance when he was 19 or something now that Ironman Brazil. So, um, you know, Ronaldo um, had a huge charge. Like he um, he made up uh, five minutes on the guys in the first half. Um, and um, and considering they were on 243 pace, um, that was, you know, screaming fast. He slowed down a little over the second half, uh, but still, as you say, ran that 239. And um, yeah, and, and I, I think like there's just going to be all these national records that were that were set, you know, Hogenhaug, fastest for Denmark, uh, Jesper, faster for, fastest for Sweden, Ronaldo, fastest for Brazil, Everett Scheltinga shatters the, um, the Netherlands national record. Um, not sure about Thomas Steger in fifth, um, but then, you know, same thing on the women's front, you know, uh, yeah. Sarissa DeFries goes 8.32, um, breaking Yvonne's record um, there, but also breaking, you know, becoming, you know, breaking Yvonne's record for the Netherlands' fastest time ever for a full distance. Because uh, she was, uh, I think, 8.43 was Yvonne's. And that 8.43, when Yvonne did it, was a world best, I, at, you know, in Challenge Road. So yeah. and eight forty three um, now doesn't get you get you fourth or fifth. Uh, yeah, just it yeah gets you uh, fifth place. Yeah, so. well, Colucci too had a swing at um, the Olympics in Tokyo this year, so not a bad effort to be you know the death knell. He kind of went late for it, but yeah, fantastic effort. The women, of course, as you said, DeVries wins in eight thirty two, um, and Manon Ganet from France is eight thirty four. If I pronounce that right, Genet? Yeah, Genet. I said Genet. Um, I, I could have sworn I heard Men and Gennet from you, Manon but um, Genet yeah. from France, yes. What, what I do is I lay it out terribly and then you correct me. That's your smooth, um, I'm on the man on the ground kind of thing. Michelle Vesterby, too, is, um, well, we are talking about that. Um, that's a good 838 as well to be in the frame for third. Um, Absolutely. And another national record. And that's something that she has been after forever and a day. Uh, so Michelle, um, Michelle's wins have traditionally been over uh, really tough courses. You know, Lance Roddy, her last win in July. Um, I think she's won Lance Roddy a couple of times. Um, one down in Cozumel, which is dead flat, but 
uh, in on a day in tough conditions. So, um, you know, Michelle Vesterby traditionally uh, does best on really tough courses. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, she, I think she had gone in there and I sort of felt like she was uh, you know, the race favorite. Um, but uh, when things just turned into a speed fest, um, I think she was very happy to have gone as fast as she did and to get third. And I did want to just say Manon Genet, um, just Manon Gennett, please. Um, Manon Gennett. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> there we go. Um, so, uh, you know, she uh, has been, had sort of struggled with dialing in the full distance, ended up being a DNF in uh, Lanzarote in July um, after leading Michelle Vesterby by eight minutes off the bike. Uh, so it was really cool to see her dial things in. She just, um, she sat behind Michelle uh, the you know, for as long as she could on the bike. And then Michelle finally sort of spat her out the back with about 50K to go. Uh, but just paced that well and um, had a fantastic well, run. Um, so. she's, yeah, she's run 258, Gennett. Done a great job um, yeah. of running 258. And of course, the Italian... Uh, you know, Elisabetta Curadori. Thank you. Curadori has gone 252, which is blinding, blindingly fast. Um, yeah, so yeah. Elisabetta, and I I feel like this was her first um, full distance finish, but I'm not absolutely sure on that. Anyway, she it was like just in the process of moving up to the full distance um, a few years ago, and then COVID sort of messed everything up. So um, certainly not uh, hugely experienced on that front. Um, but yeah, she looked fantastic on the run. And, um, you know, now what you're, you're just, so here's the thing that um, is you, with all of these times getting so quick and everything, um, the days of the super quick runner, um, just, you know, making up nutty amounts of time, um, and winning races, I think are, are probably done. So, um, Annie Haug is, uh, doing stuff like she's having that fantastic run, but yeah. she's also super strong on the bike. And so the thing is that, um, you know, yeah, you run 252, but, um, when you bike, uh, 448, which was, uh, and, and the fastest bike time of the day was 430, so you're 18 minutes slower on the bike, um, you know, unless you're going to run 18 minutes faster, which is a big ask, um, it's going to be tough to win these races. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's, um, it's just, it's a question of, I mean, a lot of this is mind over matter as well, but, um, on a super quick course with all those women running so quickly, um, the being off by percent is, makes a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So, um, yeah, the, 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 these quick times are coming, uh, because of good all round performances. And, you know, we've been talking about this for ever and a day, but I think it's finally coming to fruition, um, that you, you just can't come out of the water six minutes down, 10 minutes down. And, like you can do well, you can have a top finish, um, but I, I just don't know that you're winning races. No, um, and in, if you are, you're extraordinary. But it, it, the way swimming 
is in triathlon these days. And it's part of that whole massive shift out of the, you know, the ITU, et cetera, you know, the Fredinos of the world who came over and decided that 1.9 was just, you know, obviously a laugh. Um, and then 3.8 was just a bit more of a laugh and they can come out so hard. Um, you know, the days of the sort of the lone wolf off the front at Kona um, has kind of evaporated with the, the amount of fast swimmers in the sport. Um, it, yeah, it, it was a, a, a nice to see at least a legitimate world championship going off. Um, it's just, it's weird. It's like, it's an a, a Ironman distance race, but it's not the world Ironman championships. It's the world long distance champ. It's just weird. It's weird to me. It's like boxing. It's like, you know, 27 different belts. This one's unified. This one's not this. It, it's just freaking odd. You know, the fact well, that a so private company just, owns just, a world title. Just one more, uh, or just one thing to remember. So this is not the traditional uh, world triathlon long distance distance. Um, so what what happens is uh, Challenge Almere had to um, ask for special permission to run the world championship at that distance. And basically, you know, they go to world triathlon and they say, look, this is our, our distance, our course, everything is laid out for this and uh, for this distance and for us to change it to 130K and change it to 3K and change it to 30K um, for the, the for the run, um, like it, it just doesn't make sense for our course. Um, and World Triathlon says, okay, yep, this year we can run the, the long distance worlds um, as, uh, as, you know, what Ironman distance, we're not supposed to say Ironman distance, but uh, anyway, full distance. Um, I actually, I'm with you 100%. I really prefer it when there is that different distance. Because uh, I also think that's, I just think it's a really cool distance. Now, um, uh, Andy Potts, uh, went in, in 2017, it was so funny. He rolled into Penticton uh, for the, this, this title um, and was shocked to find out it was a 3K swim. He thought that the distances were 4K swim, 130K bike, and uh, 30K run. And that was, you know, at one point that was sort of the, the distance that they were thinking of to try and even everything out. Like, so it's that little bit longer for the swim and not quite as long on the bike, not quite as long on the run, but, you know, it sort of gives the swimmers that little bit more of an advantage. And um, I think that's a great concept. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they, everyone likes it to be that 3K swim, but. Um, I think an ideal distance for this would be that 4K, 130, and um, and 30. Yeah, yeah. It just it just con- it gets confusing. Like I might have said this before, and you know, if you're trying to explain the world of triathlon to somebody who's new, you say to them, "Well, okay, who's the fastest in the world?" And you go, "What distance?" And they go, "Well, what sort of distances are there?" And you go, "Well." Okay, so there's an Olympic distance, there's a sprint distance, there's a, you know, half distance, and then there's a full distance, but then there's an in-between distance to that distance, and then this company runs this, and they're the kind of world title, and this is the kind of the official guys who run this title. It's so backward in the way it's run that there's not one single entity like the UCI running everything. Um, it, it continues to, for mine, just to be baffling, and it, you know, it means our rankings are weird, it means our understanding of who's 
top of the tree is weird. People understand scoreboards. They understand John Smith is one, you know, he's the best triathlete in the world and he's our number one guy because he's done A, B, and C. Or she's the number one in the world because she's raced this one and that one. It's so weird how they, they you know, configure um, triathlon. It just gets plain confusing. But that's a side issue. Well, what else is confusing, Kevin? And I wanted to bring this to your attention because I saw this during the week and I must say, I did spit out my cornflakes when I was reading it in the morning. The PTO, off fresh off their Collins Cup joy, have decided that there'll be a pro-am series that will combine age grouper and professional racing and include a professional race with 100,000 prize purses, as well as a celebrity team relay that will see the world's greatest PTO professionals racing alongside age grouper teammates in a pro-am format. All to be fully broadcast to a worldwide audience. (sighs) Do you know what, Kevin? I've always wanted to play in the PGA. I don't get to because I'm crap. I've always wanted to play in the NFL. I also can't do that because I'm garbage, right? Why are we doing this? And why are we giving oxygen to this kind of setup? Years ago, they started getting celebrities to Kona. We all saw it. They get out Gordon Ramsay. He's awesome. He'll build the profile of the sport. I can remember a high-ranking Ironman person from Florida ringing me to say, hey, I've got a list of five people celebrities who would you think would be good to ask to come and race in Kona they rang me on this one one of the names on the list got busted doing coke at a horse race so good thing I didn't tip him in but um celebrities are okay to drag in on the odd occasion are they someone we want to have racing alongside Jan Frodeno Daniela Riff et al or what are we doing here Kevin so um so happy that we're into the full disagreement mode um this this week so um <laughs> are you not familiar with the at&t pebble beach pro-am yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's... You know, part of the pga uh like you just said i don't want to play in the pga and then here's the example in the pga uh where they're doing this uh, so um the pto is not um, just coming out of this from nowhere. They are coming out of this from the exact example that you just gave. It's not. It's not the same. Do you want to see some fat-ass celebrity running around in Lycra thinking that's a good thing? No, sir. I do not want to see that as I'm eating my cornflakes. It'll come back out. I don't want to (laughs) see some sweaty-ass celebrity rubbing shoulders with Fredino going, oh, I can do a triathlon in Lycra, sweating it out in L.A., no, thank so, you. There's one thing I'm afraid, it's I'm afraid not a good to, to say this, but there are certainly some celebrities who we wouldn't be too upset seeing running around in Lycra. You know what? Just because you think you can doesn't mean you should. So listen here, celebrities, and I know plenty of you listen to this. Don't put your hand up for this. When the PTO comes knocking, please politely decline because no one wants to see your fat ass running around a course or your thin ass running around a course or your tanned ass running around a course. I'm not interested. I don't want to get up and watch any sort of celebrity shenanigans because celebrity to me has zero, zero impact on what I do. I don't care, okay? I think it's a complete and utter gimmick and it should be completely ruled out. 
let's just watch good athletes doing good things on a, a course coverage. I don't want to see hand-holding. It's like did it every year in Noosa. You know, they drag out a couple of people and they have a celebrity relay and everyone has a hit and a giggle and it's all good fun and then we all go and die a little more inside. I don't think we need that right now. Sure as hell don't need anyone rolling around here, celebrity style, Kevin. And I know you think yourself as a little bit of a celebrity. You like to get around in the private jets. You like to put yourself at the front of the plane. But listen, mate, most of us guys in living in the working class of the world don't want to see this. Um, yeah. I, so <laughs> my guess is that I would, uh, my guess, or my argument would be, um, Right now, we're not getting most people watching the sport anyway. So if this gets some people interested in watching, hey, more power to them, more power to the PTO. Um, so I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm quite happy to watch an elite race. Totally fine for me. Um, but, you know, as as the producer, um, the producer's, of the, you know, Peter Henning used to always say to me whenever I would talk about, hey, you know, we didn't show as much of the elite race on the NBC show uh, uh, for, for the Ironman World Championship as I would like. He would always say, Kevin, the last person I'm trying to keep happy in this show is you. This show is <laughs> not about you. It's about people who've never seen the sport. That's who I'm trying to draw. Yeah, so. well, and he knew, and and Peter Henning was a very wise man. He probably knew. And look, ah, he says, taking a breath. Yeah, I get it. I know what they're doing. I know what they're doing. I, I completely get it. You use the celebrity to draw people into the sport. They might get a look at it. You also bag some coin because you've got a big name sponsor who's decided to sashay on in and 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 put some coin into it as well. I completely understand what they're doing. And as we've said, Kevin, on this podcast many times. There are many more smart people running around the halls of PTO than in this joint, I can tell you right now. But it just is, I, I I liked what they did with the Collins Cup. The match racing and all that kind of stuff is good because it's elite. Fredino versus Sanders, it's elite. You know, Super League, the Sharks versus the Rhinos, gimmicky, but it's elite. Pro-Am, we, you know, in, I think it might have been the podcast we did with Steph Hansen where the opening question was, which celebrity do you think could do an Ironman? Um, and we discussed that. That was a fairly important point at the time. Um, <laughs> I said I said the Hemsworth kid, you know, Thor, but then someone said he's a really crap runner. So he's kind of shot that down. So um, I'm not 100% so, sure. Just, just before we totally put this to bed, though, yeah. um, so – I, like I, I just don't understand your issue. If they run this on Wednesday morning, um, this pro am relay or whatever, and then you still get to see your elite race on Saturday afternoon, how much of a like? Just if it's gonna you know, make you hurl your cornflakes, don't watch it. Just watch the elite race. Is there an issue? Yes, because it's demeaning the sport that I like. Okay, so you know, don't put. You don't put Clydesdales next to thoroughbreds. You don't stick a you know shitty Ford next to a Ferrari. And that's what they're doing, right? It's like let the Ferraris race the Ferraris, let the Fords race the Fords, and let's all just you know high five and move on. Thank you very much, PTO. Listen up when I talk. I talk sense. Um, hey, bigger things to think about: World seventy point three Championships in Saint George, Utah. Hilly, hilly course. Um, uh, men's field not as 
flashola as it was, a few dudes dropping off the perch a little bit saying no thank you. Um, but that is coming up. I, I am excited for a 70.3 World Championship. I'm excited for a course that looks to be honest. Um, I, I do enjoy that. Remember Clearwater where the biggest climb was the speed hump in the car park. Um, and, and I can remember Clearwater one year where a pro was talking about getting a puncture and still going sub two hours on the bike. Um, what is your read on this one? I, I, I I like the man Iden. Is it Eden or Iden? Can I get that right from you? You know, you're Eden. Eden. Okay. I'm liking Eden. Um, he's my guy and I'll tell you why. A, because he's done this before and B, because he's just sharp, right? He's just sharp. He's come off the Olympics and as we know, the step up is not that great a thing. So speed wise, he's going to be loaded um, really looking forward to seeing what he's going to bring to the table. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, so my first thought was like you, you're saying, oh, the men's field not so sharp. Like I'm trying to figure out what on earth. Um, Lionel Sanders pulled out, um, yep. and uh, Lionel basically pulled out because he's he said, I'm I'm an Ironman shape. Um, I can't keep up with these dudes, and I think a lot of that came from he did. Um, uh, on the Wednesday before the Collins cup. Uh, so he had just finished doing a, an Ironman, uh, Ironman Copenhagen where he came second. Um, and then three days later goes out for an easy bike ride and Gustav Eden and, uh, Gustav's brother, who I guess is some amazing cyclist. I didn't know this, um, said, Hey, why don't you come along with us? And, um, and so Gustav just, rode the crap out of him um and uh i think a lot of his decision was based on just seeing how confident gustav was how well he was riding and he knows you know knows full well how well he runs he's like i'm not ready to jump into that game um Mm. with a dude like this um so um the first two names on the field uh, gustav eden and christian blumenfeld um, so you got Olympic gold medalist who, um, the, the week after two weeks after, was it the week after two weeks after one in Tokyo was planning on racing Ironman Frankfurt so that he could qualify for Kona. Um, so like 10 days out or a few days after he won the Olympics, he did a nine hour training day to get himself ready for this Ironman in Frankfurt. Um, he is going to be tearing that course apart as yeah. well so well he's um, super he, strong isn't he like the oh. hilly course will just like he's like watching him wrench himself through the back end of that 10k and uh in tokyo he he just has eye of the tiger all about him he's that sort of guy yes. who just rip his handlebars off to beat you and he'll you know he'll twist himself inside out to get the job done super impressive human um yeah but he absolutely. doesn't so, race a I, lot though does he like he's not he's not I mean, how much practice do you need to be a good 70.3 racer? Well, and you also have to remember uh, Christian Blumenfeld, like we all sort of, oh, you know, he hasn't done a whole lot. He holds the record as the fastest ever over the distance, right? From winning, was it 70? I always get it mixed up, 70.3 Bahrain. Um, And um, 
So the guy has done this a few times, um, was fourth, I believe, in uh, 70.3 Worlds in Nice. Um, and that was just the week after he won the grand final in Lausanne in 2019. Um, and Gustav, I think Gustav went fourth in Lausanne and won uh, in Nice. So they just sort of went back and forth. So I think what's going to be really interesting is the um, the battle for just top dog with the Norwegians in this thing. Uh, I think that's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, I think Europe comes obviously loaded with some of this um, setup as well. Um, a little side, you know, Sam Appleton for mine is another dude who could do all right. Um, I like his consistency. He has had a top five, I want to say, at a world title. Um, yeah, he's yeah, he's an Sam, outside. Sam, uh, Sam I, I, I felt he... Um, he uh, had a decent, like he showed well at the Collins Cup, right? Like because yeah. they threw him to the wolves, putting him up against um, against Fredano. But he wasn't. I don't feel that he was. It's not like he he was completely out of his depth. Um, no, not at all. That's no, what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I feel smart. like Sam, um, and I had talked about that um, as long ago as in February with um, um, uh, with the you know the captains for the the international team. I, you know, I was like. Yeah, don't let Lionel race for Nano. Like we know that answer. Uh, yeah. Throw Sam Appleton in there because uh, you know he's he's done well uh, and he's got the the swimming bike and you know just see if he can if he can hang in there through the run. So I thought it was a great call and hopefully he's on a nice build. But um, yeah. yeah, you know it, it's it's really funny. I look at this field and um, now the the more I look at it, the more I kind of see where you are coming from. In terms of like, there's Eden and or Eden and Blumenfeld, um, and then yeah, you know, do, do you put Sam Long in that that background well, or in so that Sam Long? Moment? He's questionable though. Sam Long will be questionable for me simply because the way these dudes are all swimming. Yeah, We've, absolutely. That's yeah. I I don't think Sam's I don't think Sam's in the picture, um, like because he has to leave it all out there to get up to them on the bike because they're not slowing down and waiting for him. Um, yeah. and so he gets up to the front of the bike, but what has he had to give up to get there? Yeah. And then like, even at his best, I don't think Sam runs with, with Eden and Blumenfeld, you know, no. like, so I just don't, it, it feels like the days of, um, when, uh, the Brownleys were at their best, like, as I was walking around asking everyone in 2012, okay, so what is your pretend plan to beat the Brownleys at this Olympics? Because like, they, they have, they have practiced every single possible way of winning a race. They've yeah. gone from the gun. They've gone on the bike. They've um, gone right from the start of the run. They've waited for the kick. So over the last two years, they've practiced every single race scenario. They've beaten you in all of them. What's your plan? And I sort of feel like we're in the same boat right here. It's like, yeah, and anyone have any sort of idea as to how? Because the last time Eden ran at a seventy point three Worlds, I think he went sixty. Was it some sixty six or something? And something ran so. away from Alistair Brownlee. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's. I don't know how. I don't know how people go up against these guys. Let's talk no. about the women. <laughs> no, exactly. And it, unless your swim is mercurial, you're not getting anywhere near it. Women, uh, I mean, all right, we can talk about Riff, but I'm 
be honest with you, I'm tired of talking about her because I think she's going to get beat this weekend. So, yes, she's great. Yes, she's the most, you know, heralded person we know. Yes, she's a beast on the bike and runs well and blah, 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 and the angry burn. We all know that, right? Like, let's just put her in her own little category for the moment and see if the right one turns up, she beats everybody. If the, the one that's slightly off doesn't, then what we're going to see is two athletes I've got my eye on. The first is Lucy Charles Barkley. Um, I think she is very, very um, going to be very hard to beat. The other one is one of your favourites in Paula Finlay, um, who I think we need to talk a little bit about. So I think Riff gets beaten. I, and I don't know by who. I just have a feeling, like I had the same feeling that <laughs> Jorgensen was going to get beaten at the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> What a dumbass. Um, I, I so regret that. Um, I was just, just thinking an upset was going to happen. Uh, anyway, I think Paula Finlay I, I really like because you know, we talk about, you know, giving up stuff in the water. She won't be giving up anything because she's a jet in the water, can swim. Um, I think she looks really good. And I think, you know, she's had – a little bit of exposure to this does very well. She's beaten some big names. Um, was it Daytona that she had a really big race? Um, uh, yeah. So challenge Daytona last year, which was the PTO 2020 championship. That's um, it. And, and yeah, if she was in that form, I would yeah 100% agree with you. I, and I hope that she can, she can get into that. She has been, dealing with a stress fracture for yeah. much of the summer. Right. And um, so she's swimming and biking up a storm. Um, the question will be, um, has she recovered enough and has she been able to do enough of the run training to be able to compete? And that is the big question mark. So when Paula Finley is on, um, there are few people on the planet who can, who can compete with her. She is... Um, you know, everything you've just said, like super talented, got a great swim, got a great bike, can run. Um, her issue has just been, it has been injuries. She has struggled with, uh, getting through those, um, year after year after year. And, um, yep. going into the PTO 2020 championship in Daytona, she was super fit. Um, and, uh, you know, her coach had even warned me, like she's doing run workouts that she was doing at her best, uh, you know, in, in 2010, 2011. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at that point she was number, you know, basically the top ITU athlete in the world, world triathlon now. Um, so yeah, I, I come back to you, uh, with your first call, Lucy Charles Barkley. Yeah, see, um, so, I think she wins. But, I think she's my winner. Yeah. Well, what hasn't she done this year? And in terms of everything, just preparing, uh, perfectly for this event she had so much fun early on in the season you know she jumped into a super league race uh she went to the olympic trials olympic i can't remember what they officially it wasn't an official olympic trial but you know tokyo swim championship or something like that anyway she swam the 1500 there uh came a close second in that um and then uh jumps into a wtcs race and in was that Leeds um, and comes fourth or fifth in that um, and then starts gearing up for some longer distance stuff. The only 
the only thing that you sort of wonder is um, she had a big block in Lanzarote where she was doing this nutty amount of training and gearing up for um, this, this double, St. George Kona double, right? And um, then, of course, Kona disappears. So the only question I have is, um, you know, had she known that she was just gearing up for St. George? preparation even not much better and not much more unstoppable, but she's sort of had this little bit of a distance thing there. So that's the only question mark, but um, on paper, uh, I think Lucy Charles Barkley is the person to beat. I am not quite as ready uh, as you are to um, give up on Daniela Reef because, uh, you know, I've just seen what she is capable of and, you know, same deal as with Paula Finley, when Daniel, Daniela Reef is on, there really aren't too many people who can who can touch her. But um, I just don't know how she bounces back from um, from you know Collins Cup, then uh, where she was ill, and then racing uh, Ironman Switzerland Toon, um, and uh, you know ripping through that course, and then bouncing back uh, for this. Yeah, uh, look. Again, you, if it's the regular riff, it's pretty hard. But I, I, you know, I don't think at the moment that she is um, as super as, you know, we saw her being, you know, she was a bit sick. Um, obviously bounced back the following weekend um, at Switzerland to, to do well. Holly Lawrence, Lucy Charles Barclay, um, and, you know, the – a raft of those and Paula Finlay's, you know, plenty of women there can do really, really well. Um, so um, the other person, and the only reason I was hesitant to, to bring her up, but um, possibly the biggest race favorite, it's Taylor Nib. And, you know, but my, I'm just still trying to figure out for sure if she's going to be at the race. Like, she told me her plan was to go to Hamburg, um, uh, which is Saturday or Sunday as well. So she's obviously not at both of these events. But if Taylor Nib is in this race, then that's a game changer as well. Because, um, you know, Lucy Charles Barkley leads out of the water. Um, the question is by how far. Um, but if anyone's going to be able to stay reasonably close to her, um, it's Taylor Nib, who's you know coming off uh, going to Tokyo and all that stuff. Um, Taylor outbiked her on a road bike in mm. Samarin, where the course was dead flat. Now she gets to take that road bike onto a nutty hilly course, um, and uh, she lives at altitude. St. George is not super high altitude, but a little bit. Um, so she. Uh, if Taylor Nibs in this race, then she's very much uh, a person, like very much in the Lucy Charles potential favorite bandwagon, in my opinion. Yeah, look, I none of this uh, is making no sense, young man. It's uh, you, you're hundred percent right. Nib in the field is is a game changer. It, it just, yeah, it, it does affect any you know one athlete. Is one athlete going to affect forty? Well, the, sure they can when they're that talented like she is. So if she if she turns up, it's going to be on. Um, either way, I think Riff gets beat, um, and it's not because I'm a doomsday. It's just I think 
you know, A, I don't love, um, you know, dynasties. I'm not a massive fan of them. I just think they've become too predictable. But also, uh, I just think there's a there's a, a real movement in some of the women around the uh, around the world in relation to um, knocking off um, down the yellow roof. And it would be very, uh, I think it's good for the sport too to see that to see you know someone who's so dominant not win a race. I think it you know it just gives another storyline, gives another look, um, and and also then spurs on other women in the world like other men if you know eden doesn't go well either you know like it just gives another storyline i think that's something that um you know if fredino wins all the time it becomes a bit old hat (laughs) i think we want to try and and see something different and so um i just had a look at the hamburg start list uh taylor nib is not on it so yeah. um, my guess is that means that uh, somebody convinced her that, you know, hey, you're on fire right now. Yeah. Um, huge Collins Cup. You won the uh, the grand final in Edmonton, uh, part of a silver medal uh, relay team in Tokyo, won in Yokohama earlier this year, second in your first 70.3 race um, in Boulder uh, at the beginning of August. Um, you're on this roll. Let's just keep riding it. Yeah. And so um, if she can just keep going in with this attitude of having fun and um, like she basically Taylor Nib goes into it with this attitude of, well, you guys are all talking about me as a favorite. I'm not a favorite. I'm just having fun. These guys are way more experienced. And so um, if she can keep that attitude, then yeah, she's, it's going to be frightening to see. And um yeah, so whether or not we see the regular Daniela Reef um, or not, Taylor can certainly race with with uh, Daniela Reef, and uh, I potentially see a quite a monstrous battle between uh, Lucy Charles Barclay and Taylor Nib. Hmm. Yep, I agree, and we will agree on that point. Um, we sort of. I thought we weren't agreeing this week. I know it got. <laughs> It got upsetting last week. We agreed on everything. Kevin, uh, 45 minutes on the clock means I'm pretty much going to tap out. You're uh, a wonderful performer as per usual. Nice to see you back in your own uh, country after bouncing around the world for a few weeks. We look forward to seeing what happens in uh, the world titles. We'll be back next week to have a chat about it. Uh, Thank you for your time, my friend. Hey, thanks so much, Phil. And uh, as always, great chatting with you, even though you are all wrong. (laughs) <laughs> the last word. This has been the Life of Try. Kevin McKinnon and Phil Rockner. We'll be back next week to talk all things 70.3 Worlds. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at the Life of Try.